and we are back. How is everybody doing out there? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Focus Compounding Podcast. Jeffrey Gannon, how's it going today? It's going well, Andrew. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. We hope everyone else is doing fantastic and that you are also having a great day. It is 8.34 p.m. as we record this on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we hope everyone is having a good start to your morning because this is obviously uploaded in the morning time. Um, this is, of course, the audio part of our business. If you do want to get access to our investing idea website, go to focuscompounding.com and be sure to sign up using the podcast promo code, which is podcast. And if you are weekly or a regular listener, you do know what that does. It takes some money off of your monthly subscription price. And Mm -hmm. on the website, too, it's uh, we have a lot of uh, different things going on. There's an idea exchange. There's a stocks A to Z section where all the stocks have been written up around there. So it's definitely good to reference, um, even if the stocks uh, are from the past and have been written up. Yeah, I wrote an article this last week. You know, so there's a bunch of articles written by me on there and articles written by other members, too. Absolutely. And and Vetlov, who was on um, last week, he's a normal contributor, and, mm-hmm. and he, um, or a couple of weeks ago, he's a normal contributor, and, and uh, there's a, a bunch of regular writers on there that contribute to the site. So it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be talking about Warren Buffett. Okay. And this is a new series here on the Focus Compounding Podcast where we're going to be talking about super investors. Okay. So we're not... Don't don't feel ashamed that we're not going to talk about you. Okay. We don't want to talk about you the whole time. All right. We're going to talk about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, okay. So Warren Buffett, obviously, um, he's, I think, obviously, what gets the most famous investor, as I say, yeah. gets everyone interested in he's, investing. Everyone looks up to him. Everyone wants to be him. Everyone always references him, sure. quotes him. Yes. Pretty much the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett was on The Office. That's true. He was. When people he try was negotiating. to name someone who's an investor, yeah. they say Warren Buffett. Yeah. Uh, people who don't know anything about investing use him as that name. So you want to hear a cute story? Yeah. So when I first got interested in in investing in the stock market, mm-hmm. and I was very young, and I want I I think I just wanted to like like make my dad proud or something mm-hmm. like that. I looked up. I forget who I typed in or what I typed in. It was probably like most successful investor or something. Yep. Warren Buffett came up. I had no idea who he was. I was probably 12 or 13 <laughs> okay. at the time. And I, I told him like, yeah, I want to be the next Warren Buffett. Do you know who that is? And he's like, of course I know who Warren Buffett is. But of course I had no idea <laughs> yeah. who he was at the time because yeah. I was like before I, or that was my, my early stages of investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got started investing, Warren Buffett was not that popular with the general public. Really? He was considered old and out of touch and was talked about all the time as th- that, that, old, he, that old guy that just drinks Coca-Cola's all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but has he, and it, all the, uh, like, um, you know, CNBC or whatever would be like, has Warren Buffett lost his touch and everything because yeah. it was um, the uh, ni- 1990s. Wow. Right? Yeah. So from almost probably, I'd say the whole real bubble thing kicked in sometime in 96 through the end of the 90s. Um, and, and as that, so that period, it was only three or four years or something, but during that, that's probably a low point for him in terms of, um, uh, his public image that way. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's, was it the Barron's article that wrote what's wrong Warren because uh-huh. then like the, the tech boom or whatever. And mm-hmm. A lot of it was, he why, was doesn't he own, it. Yeah, yeah. why didn't he own tech? Yeah. Yeah. And he gave, uh, I remember in the snowball, the most, uh, the speech he gave was at Sun Valley when he was pretty much yes. criticizing everyone. Not mm-hmm. he, he always says, don't criticize individually, criticize my group. Uh, but he was very, he was making a macro economic prediction that pretty much it's not going to go on forever. And, and they even mm-hmm. said in the book that like the wives of the Silicon Valley, um, uh, you know, millionaires or whatever, mm-hmm. they all were like laughing about this mm-hmm. old Warren Buffett guy who has no yeah. idea who's a thing of the past. And, mm-hmm. 
as it turned out, like any good story, yeah. he, um, he was right. Yeah, that's a good book, and that's a good uh, particular anecdote about it, yeah. No, I think it's a great book. So the Sun Valley speeches, he gave a speech where he basically said the market's overvalued, particularly tech companies are overvalued, and just, like, incredibly overvalued, and they can't grow into those sorts of prices, and this is unusual, Um, this isn't normal, Uh, you know, and all those things make sense. It's hard, you know, um, it was an unusual time, the late 90s for stocks, yeah. No, I think it's great. And it's if you want to learn more about him too, other than mm-hmm. like what's been publicly written about, um, read a lot of what Al Schroeder says about him. Like I sent you, Jeff, oh, uh, like presentations uh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I've sent, uh, there's she's done a couple uh, uh, speeches or, mm-hmm. or where she's talked to groups on YouTube, and I found a I think I retweeted it a while ago, maybe uh, about a month ago, where she did an interview and it was all on Warren Buffett. It's like okay. that's the best. I guess best way to learn about him is someone that spent, mm-hmm. I mean, how many hours with him, a ton oh, of hours yeah. with him, a couple, three years or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Incredible amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. What's so interesting to me though about him is, um, obviously that he's incredibly modest, I think with like how he lives a very normal person life oh, yeah, sure. even, and he's the wealthiest person in the world, mm-hmm. top, whatever, five now who's yeah. counting. Um, but I think, uh, you know, and another thing is so interesting is, and if you've read or if you've listened to, the Berkshire meetings that CNBC recently released oh, yeah. going back to like the 90s. Right. We should mention that there's a Buffett archive now on CNBC. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. at 1993, I think it was the first one. Okay. They've been saying the same exact thing mm-hmm. for over like, so like 25 years, which is yeah. great. I think mm-hmm. it shows that their principles have still, um, Oh yeah. If you get you know, an old, held the test of time. Yeah. You get some old information about Buffett. Like you see an old speech that he gave or something. Uh, there's one, is it Florida? Uh, Georgia, I forget what university it was, but there's one from, I don't know, 2000 or something, or, or maybe even earlier than that, that, um, it is a very good one. And it's as good as anything that you'll see in the last year or two. Uh-huh. Um, because, uh, the, um, because it, the principles they're talking about are pretty timeless. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. You know, he gets asked a lot of questions now. In fact, I think the quality of the questions are not as good at, at the most recent meetings. You know, it's funny. A lot of the questions that, that, he gets asked sometimes. I already know his answer because yeah. he just says the same exact the same thing, thing all the time, over, which isn't a bad thing, obviously. Yeah, but but I mean, we probably would answer the same things if people constantly asked us about absolutely. Bitcoin and whether the market was overvalued yeah. and whatever other things he gets absolutely. all the time. Absolutely, he. Um, I think it, when uh, one thing that I thought was pretty interesting was when he talked to a college class and somebody asked him like how to get smarter, and he held mm-hmm. up pages and said read 500 pages of this i mean i guess it's a conspiracy because i thought it was every day i read that before but somebody correct me that it was every week and Uh i've seen both sides of it okay but the person did tell me that um when he told todd combs todd combs said it was every week 500 pages and he meant like annual reports yeah yeah Yeah. which made me feel a lot better about myself yeah if it was 500 pages every week instead of 500 pages every day because like i can match 500 pages every week every week yeah when he was talking about every day Mm -hmm. i was like wow that guy really is but of that kind of stuff yeah annual reports and 10ks 10qs yeah yeah i've also noticed that he must read um trade journals because he quotes things sometimes that are from them. So, like, for instance, I'm pretty sure he reads American Banker. Yeah, they We they use some information from American yeah. Banker sometimes, yeah, about some stocks that we wrote about and stuff. Um, so, yeah, those sorts of things are good. I wonder what he would be like, like, in his 30s, 40s, to, like, be sitting around him. Probably exhausting. I mean, just, then that's what they say. Yeah. I mean, Alice Schroeder said that that's probably why him and Bill Gates are such good friends, because Bill mm-hmm. can keep up with him. Yep. And that everybody else, they kind of feel like... They just ran a marathon because he just keeps talking about so mm-hmm. many different things. Sure. 
Did you see the the um, documentary on him that HBO did? The HBO documentary, yeah. I have whatever that is, HBO now, HBO, yeah. whatever. I thought that was a really good documentary. Yeah, that's a good documentary. Um, that's good for general, like if you don't know a lot about him and stuff. Yeah, it talked yeah. about his childhood. But I think the best book on a biography-wise speaking is definitely The Snowball. Because of all the access, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, two, the two that are, are The Snowball and uh, Making of an American Capitalist, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've read the probably three to four times. And every now and then I'll just kind of pick a chapter and listen to it because, I don't know, right. it's good to draw some inspiration. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. What about, um, what do you think is the best book that's been written on his actual investing process? Cause obviously everyone likes to write books with his names in it, his name in it. Uh, is it the Warren Buffett portfolio or the Warren Buffett way? Hagstrom. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like it's not. So that was the only one that actually talked about like actually like valuing the companies when he was looking at it. Yeah. I think that's a good book. That's a, I can't remember what the title of the, was of the one that he, um, wrote or if he published different titles. I think it was Warren Buffett way. way. I think something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's the one that talks about like how to create a portfolio like him in terms of concentration, yeah. things like that. Um, and it's actually a good investing book, whether or not it's about Warren Buffett. It just, yeah. I found it to be a good investing book, which is unusual because I've read lots of books that have the name Warren Buffett in them. And many so, are of much lower quality than other investing books because that name sells books. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that most fascinates you about him? Hmm. Let's say outside of investing. Outside of investing? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. That's a very good question. I don't know. I would uh, say he, it's yeah. probably. I would say it's probably his. I mean, he appears to have a. I mean, it's probably his brain. Obviously, okay. even outside of investing, mm-hmm. right? When he talks about, I mean. Uh, his memory from things sure. you know, from his childhood and mm-hmm. how he could still quote um, like the population and certain different right. places in like the thirties and 20, well, I mean a long yeah. time ago. I think that's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's probably his brain. Yeah. That makes sense. He's, yeah. he's pretty smart too. And witty. I mean, uh, pretty funny as mm-hmm. well. And Woody's he's pretty enjoyable to listen to. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine paying $600,000 to go sit with him? Actually. And I think that was cheap when Monisha yeah. mm-hmm. and, um, Guy Spear did that. I think yeah. now it's up to like what? One to $2 million or something like that. I think like it's that. been a lot sometimes. Yeah. 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 I think what's interesting to me, interesting to me most about him is it's probably just his, his living style that okay. he still lives in Nebraska. This is less interesting to me because it sounds <laughs> like what I would do. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, it know, seems makes so... less sense to me that people would buy big houses and yachts and things, and you know. But yeah, no, he um, he, um, he. I mean, he still lives in Nebraska, in the same I mean, a couple miles away from where he grew up mm-hmm. in his house, and I think yeah. he's got like and a. Two... He had it as an, or I don't know if he sold it, but he had another house in um, California and everything. But, yeah, it yeah. was for sale. Yeah. So, um, and I think he's added on to that original house. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Mm-hmm. simplicity that's what i think but i think it's a good lesson for a lot of people too that well if this guy that's worth you know well he keeps things simple yeah 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 i mean he says that other than his private jet he probably lives on and that in some ways an income that's not and that keeps things simple too in some ways because it, it allows him to travel without having all the things that would be a problem with traveling um yeah that's a, obviously very expensive um but yeah he keeps things simple i think one of the things i remember about alice schroeder talking about is that you'd be impressed how few people actually call him like yeah. she thought that a lot more people would must be that a lot more people call him than you'd think yeah. but they don't probably because they know not to i was gonna say i think he sets it up that way where like he doesn't she said he's really good about like getting people off the phone mm-hmm. when they talk and, and kind of being like done with a conversation <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, so that that's a helpful thing to do. Yeah, because she talked about how people don't believe that what he does mostly is reading a lot and then talking on the phone when people have something to say to him. Um, but, you know, you get the impression they don't do a lot of meetings and things. They're a lot of creating extra work for themselves. So I think they said that sort of about, well, if you have a legal department, they'll find someone to sue. If you have a PR yeah. department, they'll find something to, you know, talk about that way and, and stuff like that. How many people are even in his, his Berkshire HQ office? I don't know. And I think a lot less of them, than 20, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of them probably are involved in the filing of the tax returns and the SEC filings and bookkeeping. Like and stuff, yeah, yeah. I get the impression that that's what a very large number of them are involved in. Yeah. What's so interesting, too, is he's been fascinated with investing for a very, very long time. I think That's a very common thing among people who are successful, well, in anything, but successful investing. I yeah, think, yeah. And Bill Gates has said that, I think he said, if you were focused on something between the ages of 13 and 18, mm-hmm. those are like the most prime ages to be world class at something yeah. later on in your life. Unfortunately, you, Because you've just been focusing on it for so long. Yep, that's true. There's not a lot of people who are world class in things who didn't know anything about it before they were 18. Yeah. yeah. And it really comes to, what do you think that comes from, though? Just being incredibly interested in it and just, you know, focusing yeah. on it for so long? Well, his father was a stockbroker, right? Um, Warren's father. Yeah. Yeah. Warren's father was also a congressman. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, being fascinated right at a young age. Also, we don't want to get into <laughs> all of this, but you're, uh, the truth is that you're intelligent. There's lots of research that shows your intelligence for learning completely new things peaks really early in your 20s. Really? Yeah. So you become wiser over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you accumulate more knowledge and stuff, but your ability to first um, confront like how investing works or how physics works or something, 30 is not a good time to start learning it. The time for that is really, really young. And a lot of people have great insights. And even if they publish much later in their life and stuff, it's ideas that they had from things very early on that they're able to see in a different way. Um, you haven't read Ben Graham's memoir, have you? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it's really good to read the early part of that memoir when he first goes to Wall Street because he just gets out of college. I think he may have graduated early for his age or something. I don't remember. No, he did. Yeah, he did. Like 18 okay. or something. Yeah. And um, he goes to uh, – so he goes to work on Wall Street and stuff, and it talks about that. Uh, but a lot of his ideas were formulated very early on there. And it's interesting to see how completely different his ideas were um, at a very low level. Like basically, you know, he, he's a gopher and stuff at the beginning. But he just has a completely different attitude about it than people on Wall Street do. Because he just takes it as like, how does this really work? And looks at it rationally. And they're using a lot of the received wisdom of uh, the profession, you know? Sure. So it's kind of like, you know, Moneyball or one of those things where there's a lot of um, some true, some not true, like customs and things that people have kind of, this is the way it's done on Wall Street. And he came in and just looked at it completely differently. But that's something he could do as a really young person. Now, he didn't publish that stuff, to, uh, like security analysis stuff, till much later. But it's very clear from some of the stories he tells in the memoirs that he was thinking the way that we think of that makes Ben Graham famous really early from on. From a very early yeah. age. And yeah. you actually can tell that with Warren Buffett because if you read that biography, some of the things that we associate with Warren Buffett, he was thinking about uh, when he was first in um, uh, ben, in ben Graham's class, mm-hmm. right? So it's a very young age that we're talking about there. Sure. So, you know. And there's even a lot more, too. Like, even from his young age, he was very big on, like, saving. Yes. And I think that translates. Mm-hmm. I mean, just very living modest and letting the money compound. Sure. And I think I think he said by the time he was, like, a senior in high school, inflation adjusted, he was worth, like, I don't know, like sixty or $70,000. Just a, a crazy amount for a senior in high school to be worth. Okay. You know, yeah. which is pretty interesting as well. I mean, the guy's always been pretty wealthy. 
mm-hmm. and it has always been yeah. very money-minded. Yes, that's true. And I don't know where that comes from, though. I, do you think that comes from having a parent that is sort of in the um, money industry like he was, I guess, was, was stock market? Possibly, like but that. his father was also in politics and I did not try to direct him towards um, uh, being in uh, Wall Street-related stuff. So, yeah, I think having it around and stuff helps, sure. Mm-hmm. No, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's an unfortunate thing that is true when people listen to this is that, yeah, most people are going to be really great at stuff started when they were very, very young and were kind of obsessively focused on it from a very early age. Mm-hmm. That'll be a common theme probably with many of the super investors we talked about. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's that's great. And I think it's uh, it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. But so, you look at mm-hmm. someone like Charlie Munger, though. Right. Right. And we're not obviously talking about Charlie, but mm-hmm. he got into investing later yeah, on. Warren told him to, yeah. Like when he was like, what, his 30s or something, something like, like that? Something like that, yeah. Because Warren was already running the partnership, and then Charlie's quite a bit older than Warren. So, yeah. Yeah, that yeah and right. that's pretty interesting, too. Mm-hmm. And, and he had some effect on him, moving him in, in a different way. Yeah. yeah, because he was a lawyer. And then mm-hmm. they said that he met um, he met Warren, and Warren obviously was very interesting to him. And he asked him, do you think I could do that in California? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so supposedly that's kind of the reason why Warren moved more into focusing on better companies, I guess you could say. Which came from Charlie. But Charlie says that Warren would have got there anyways. Yeah, and I think the situation with Dumpster Mill was actually a big reason why he ended up switching over. Sure. I think a very big reason why he switched over. I think really there's two reasons mainly. One, he wanted to keep compounding, so he wanted to work with very large sums of money, which works better if you buy high-quality businesses than the kind of things he was buying, Ben Graham-type stuff. And two, I think he wanted to avoid that kind of conflict of liquidating a company and stuff. Sure. Yeah. And if you're like Someone a vulture investor, yeah, 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 then he's not going to, um, uh, yeah, you're going to have much better reputation that way. So taking over companies that are failing and, and um, liquidating them and stuff is not going to have a good reputation for you. It's so funny because they say, <laughs> Warren, he wants to be liked by everyone. Okay. And they say, uh, I remember the exact quotes, that like, Charlie, he doesn't give a damn to be liked. He just wants to be, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just be respected. You know? Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. It's funny. The the personality differences, though, between those two. It's, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Charlie gets more of a... Um, Interesting quotes for the, uh, uh, you know, to put in the news and stuff following the um, annual meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read Warren Buffett's early partnership letters? Yeah. It's a good place for a lot of people, I think, to start. Mm-hmm. Because you learn, I mean, it's, it's in his earlier days. and Yeah, I think that's the part of him, that his history that's most important for people to study, is what he did in the 1950s and 1960s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've encouraged people to look specifically at that time period. In being what's most useful for you as an investor working with small sums of money, learning about that now. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And Not I, that there isn't things that are important about the quality of the company and stuff. Um, there is, but, you know, um, there's just so much that about how he did things back then that's useful. So if you really could study everything he did in the 50s and 60s, that would be such a big help. I would agree. And if you do want to, um, a good book. Mm-hmm. We've talked about many times. Definitely the snowball. Yeah, download on your Audible or buy it. It's a great book. I have it on my Audible, and I actually own the hard copy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's probably one of my favorite bio- business biographies. There, are. yeah, it's great. And he doesn't even like her, or they don't even talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sad, isn't it? What do you think about it? Uh, I'm not surprised. And Alice said the same thing. She said that he's he opened himself up to so much, you know, potential. Yeah, I'm sure if someone were a biography of me, that we would not be talking. Yeah. So. afterwards it's kind of sad though the way that's how it it turned out i guess but i mean but yeah so they don't talk but you know on the other hand there's not they're not 
publicly sniping at each other or whatever. No, absolutely you know? not. Yeah. So that's one way of doing it. Definitely interesting. Definitely and you got a book that's a very honest book written by someone who wasn't him. And I mean, he did say whatever, there's a less flattering version to take that. Because of course we all do that. I think not just him. Mm-hmm. We don't want to remember the bad stuff, as, yeah. and we don't all remember it the way that other people may remember it or how it actually happened. Sure, and we, it's not just a business biography. It's ha- sort of alternates almost half business, half personal. Yeah, and I suspect the personal stuff is more what the issue is there. But I don't know that to be true. I'm I'm sure that's sure that's true. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a great book, and people, you should definitely check it out if you want to learn more about Warren Buffett. Other than that. This has been the Focus Compounding Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you do want to get access to Jeff's weekly memo, feel free to go to focuscompounding.com. And on the homepage, you'll see a spot to enter in your email. And that will put you on a distribution list to receive a weekly memo from Jeff every single week, Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. If not Sunday, Monday, but typically Sunday on an investing principle, investing topic. Other than that, thank you very much for tuning in. Have a great day, and we'll see you in the next podcast.